0: Gain Strength, Learning How to Use God's Word to Become a Strong Believer in Christ. By Paul Bucknell, this is Chapter 3 of Reaching Beyond Mediocrity, produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net, releasing God's truth to a new generation. So much of what I'm sharing is going to be a lot, hopefully you have the chance to go over it in the future with more resources and a little bit slower, a little bit more focused. There is an advantage overview, and so don't worry if a lot of little things kind of go through. There's also the overview, and I've been trying to share with you that there's four main teachings here that I'm trying to bring into your soul, into your mind, into your heart. Because Satan would always want to bring fear. God, as a father, just wants to bring trust and develop that faith in us now I hope as we go through just these simple sessions today I think we have three today I I want you to understand be aware of the hope he's bringing into your life be aware of the faith and the love he's just bringing more and more he's opening our eyes to see more and wants to bring it into our life so you can forget about a lot of stuff But just be aware that it's a fellowship with him, and he's teaching you, trying to bring you along. Because often Satan will bring us to doubt him. And above all things, what's important is that our faith is strong. That even if we feel or are thinking other things, we know, no, he's faithful. And he's just bringing us along step by step, reaching out his hand. He wants you to hold his hand. That's what His Word's for, you know. His Word? To build up our confidence in Him. We're going to talk about, in this third session, reaching beyond mediocrity, taking us a step beyond where He wants to be, for us to be overcomers, not just once in a while, not just one aspect of our life, but our whole lives. And this is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Sometimes we talk about experiences. Well, it is experiences, but actually, a lot of it is the transformation of Jesus Christ being shown in our life all the more. And so, this is where we're going. And in stage two, level two of discipleship, where God is doing the most significant part of changes to be able to bring us into intimacy with Him. Let's pray as we continue. Lord. This morning, we ask that you would give us strength. Sometimes we really do feel too weak. We just don't think we can overcome. We don't. We have a box of hopelessness, and we hide it away. Never really think that you can help us to break through. But we ask, God, that you would build up that faith in us and in your word, and give us all that you want to release to us the precious truths from your word teach us in this moment in christ we pray amen the hall of faith what more shall i say for time will fail me if i tell of gideon barak samson jephthah david samuel the prophets I remember he already started talking about Abraham. This is the end of chapter 11. And Jesus. he's listed so many saints. But did you get the problem here? There should be uh, something that we're wrestling with as we look at this passage. Because we see people here that really don't deserve to be there. If we really knew about their life, their faith would say, no, no. They shouldn't be there. There was Samson, of course. Oh, no, 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 David, oh, no, he shouldn't be there. I'm going to mention Gideon. Gideon. He's one that shouldn't be there. And actually, we shouldn't be there. Do you know where God wants to bring us? To that hall of faith. Each one of us. He wants to strengthen our faith in such a way that all the things he wants to accomplish to our life are. He really wants us to succeed. He wants to hand us that trophy, that crown, so we can hand it back to him. It's working along with him. Gideon. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. One knows a few things here. Gideon. You remember where? the lord found him he was in a hole in the ground where do you usually thresh wheat grain is it down in the ground no you're up on top of the ground impossible higher above the ground when i used to live in taiwan they used to throw the grain right on the streets and let the cars come by and let the wind blow the chaff away that makes sense to be in a dug-in hole in the ground doesn't make sense unless you know the story. Hope you'll read it later in Judges 6. Where there were enemy coming around. The Philistines would look and say, hey, look at there's some, someone that has a harvest. Let's go take it. Kill him and take what he has. Well, Gideon wasn't a very brave man. He wasn't a man of faith at this point, was he? No. And that's just To be honest, and that's what I want us to be, honest. Do we have a lot of faith in those areas of hopelessness? No. There's areas that we've given up then, and it shows that we don't have that faith, just like Gideon. But this is, I want you to notice what happens here. Verse 16, surely I will be with you. What's happening? God is bringing a message to Gideon. Call it the word of the Lord, if you wish. That phrase, word of the Lord, you can study it, and it means lots of things. It means what we have in our scriptures. It has the visions the dreams the things that God speaks to his people. He brings them in at this case to Gideon. He spoke to Gideon. And notice what the word of God did. The word of God. And all of a sudden, Gideon, it's like he opened up his eyes and he was developing faith. This is what happens when the word of God appropriately comes to our hearts and lives and minds. We gain that faith. It's not just knowledge. This is the problem of education. We think it's knowledge-focused. No, it's faith-oriented, where all of a sudden we see not only what God wants us to do, but we have that confidence that we can do it by His grace. And that becomes powerful, very powerful in our lives. How about for Gideon? What did it do in Gideon's life? Well, it did a few things. Do you know? Soon after this, he took some of his, uh, pro- his father's property and, and his mules, and they, he went to his the idols that were on his property, his dad's idols, and he pulled them down. And then he made a sacrifice to Jehovah, God Almighty. This took a lot of courage. And later, do you remember? going out to fight with, I think, the Midianites. It, it was the most miraculous thing in the world. I mean, he had a big army. Of course, the Midianites were larger. But they brought him to that creek there, and God said, well, I won't. You got too many people. I want to cut it down. And then he cut down the army again. I think in the end, he only had 300 people somehow God worked a marvelous thing. Now, it's a miracle is a special thing. But what I'm focusing on is the faith to trust God that God's way is the best way. Otherwise, Gideon would have just come in with his army and said, we can do it. You know, there's something else that God's doing in our lives. And that's what he does through promises. In 2 Peter 1, he mentions a number of things about God's marvelous promises. First of all, seeing that His divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Ah, notice. What does God's Word do? His power grants us to do everything pertaining, not just some things, everything to life and godliness. And that's what I've been trying to show you. Every aspect of our life is open to God's work. So we are awesomely equipped that's what his power, is purposed to do. Magnificent promises. For by these, he has granted to us his precious, magnificent promises. They become precious because God wants to make his word real to us, especially in the areas where we are weak. And so they become precious to us. Magnificent. Because they, we never could do it on our own. One professor I had once... Uh, made an observation. I I think it's probably true. Each one of us probably have one big bad area of our life. So we have other areas we're doing well, but one hidden bad root area. It's probably true. But even that area, God wants to make himself precious, magnificent, a liberating purpose in order that by them You might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by the lust. Okay, notice the purpose. Promises, word of God, precious because purpose. We can share God's divine nature. God can work more through our lives. Lastly, wonderful action plan. Now, for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith. And he just talks about step-by-step step here. Apply in your face, apply moral excellence and your moral excellence, knowledge and your knowledge and so forth. He keeps going on. It's a wonderful step-by-step plan that he has. That he really wants them, us to succeed. Have you ever played or done the three-legged race? Anybody? Raise your hand. Three-legged race. Oh, you need to do that. One o'clock we do it, right? <laughs> so you know, I'll explain it to you. You have two people, like here. And uh, this is the two sisters from our church. And we just I take one of my legs, my brother. He wouldn't want to do this with me, but he's you three. Put, put your foot next to mine, and someone comes and they tie a rope around our leg. Okay. And so we have many teams. And so our job, of course, is to be the quickest. And how are we gonna be the quickest? We we run down to the finish line. Okay, so the, how do we do it? So we go like alright, and, and we might win. He's good, he's good. You know, one more. Okay. You see what happens. And uh, thank you so much. The coordination of working with my brother or with your sister is is what makes you speed along. Now in our Christian life. It's not often that way, is it? No, because somehow we have a problem, and we want it fixed, and so we get close to God and God help us. But then it's fixed, and we just go aside. And we think our major job is God to help us during our times of extraordinary conflict. That's not how God views it. God is such a friend and co-worker that he wants to constantly be with us day to day and bring us through not just overcoming certain problems that we have and, and that's where we get really short-sighted about what the Christian life is all about. It, it is about accomplishing God's good, powerful will. Basically, it ends up to be once we can overcome some of these conflicts he brings blessing through our life into the life of others. Yes. And so try to envision you and the Lord working together here, together, and you'll see, uh, a lot of us, this brother was too good, but often you you do it and (laughs) you keep stumbling and maybe even fall to the ground because you're not going the same speed. Now, should God go my speed or I go God's oh of course it's I go God's speed. But as I said, sometimes is we're not going the same direction, (laughs) we're going different speeds, oh, so many different problems. Now, I want to share with you a little bit more about God's Word. Because I'm trying to illustrate how we use God's Word, and how God's Word helps me overcome certain problems. And especially how God's Word is used to bring those promises, faith, and hope to inspire faith Confidence that he can do it somehow, someway in my life. This is God's will. He's trying to reveal it to us. Now we're going to face some problems. How come God's word doesn't help me here? Of course. And why is it when I read God's word, sometimes I feel so dull? I want to get down to real honesty here. I would say in my own life, probably, I don't know. About uh, four times. Let me, let me just say, if I read the Word of God every morning, maybe half those mornings, I'll read it and I, I, it's not like God's speaking. Okay. Maybe the other half, it's, it's like God was like this morning. I could share another message from what I was just God was just teaching me from a few Psalms. But sometimes it's not like that. And it's a little dull, and, and it's like God's words not getting in. Can I live out my Christian life properly through the day without God's Word? No. God's Word, Matthew 4 4, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, maybe our physical bodies can get by, but certainly we cannot get by in our spiritual lives without God's Word. By God's Word, I do not just mean reading. That's good, but often we just say that's the education, that's knowledge. And we are equating hearing from God, reading God's Word, as He just gave knowledge. It's more than that. It's spending time with God in such a way that He's bringing hope, direction, warning, encouragement, promises into my life. You get it? I talked a little bit about this, but I want to focus a little bit more, because what happens when he doesn't? And what if it's not coming in? What am I going to do? Well, I illustrated like this. I'm sure you all know about the parable of the sower, right? The parable of the sower. What is the seed? Word of God. Okay, just think of it. When you open and read the Word of God, the seed is being sown. What happens to the seed? They grow. Well, does all of it grow? Well, see, this is where I want you to gain discernment. Some of it doesn't. And this is what happens with us. We read. We walk away. Satan food. And so the word of God did not produce that extra faith encouragement I needed that day. But because I was dull of heart, I did not treasure God's Word, because I easily closed it and went on my way. It revealed that there's a stubbornness about the soil of my heart. Now, the heart is the soil where you prepare the seed. Now, if you make it nice and soft like we do, we have a little patch in our backyard, we dig it up, dig it up, and make it nice and soft, and we put the seed in it. But I just don't put the seed on the street, I don't put the seed here, but that's somewhat our heart betrays how, in other words, how ready my heart is to receive the word makes a key difference in the receptivity of that word and how it will bless me through the day. You get it? Yeah. So what do you do if you don't? If you don't. What do you do if you sense your reading, close it? That's enough for today. I gotta go do spend time with my friend. You see what's happening? Well, this is what I do. I have learned that the problem is never with God's Word, it's with me. And because it's with me, I've got to start with me. So basically, my heart, pictured it as a, the pavement out there, the asphalt, hard, the sidewalk, the cement, hard. Man, that's what I'm like today. And I don't feel that way. Sometimes I come up early in the morning, and I... I now know the difference when my heart's ready and my heart's not ready. We use the verse of Psalm 119, where I'm seeking it as a treasure. Ah, you see, when I'm in faith looking, I can probably be pretty sure my faith, my heart, is receptive. But if I'm just doing it out of habit and religion, I'm supposed to, someone's going to ask me about it, you see, the faith is not there. So basically, let's just go through a time of confessing, Lord, my heart is so stubborn. I believe, and I'm trying to be honest, this is the way I talk to my father, I said, right now, I don't really think I need your word. Yeah? I mean, you can speak, but I don't really care. How do I know I don't care? Because I'm just ready to go off without your word. Ah, I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me through the blood of Christ? for being so obstinate and prideful to think I can live one day without God's Word and my life. Oh, that's how prideful I am, Lord. Would you please forgive me? Now I'm going to come back to your Word. I really need you, Lord. I need you to break with the stubbornness of my heart. Help me to go, Lord. This is just a little, simple, maneuvering of our heart way to prepare the soil so you know how to deal with your pride. That's basically what it is, the pride of heart, to think we can live a day without the Lord. Our society is getting increasingly secular. It is is—it's broadcasting constantly to different degrees, but it's getting worse and worse. We don't need God in our lives. Amen. We need to start coming back and countering with a very clear message to the Lord. Oh, we need Him. We need Him a whole lot. So, Romans ten seventeen, Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The Word of Christ. I don't know if that makes sense. Isn't that what we're saying here? Where does faith come from? The Word of Christ. So it comes to my life, I'm hearing it, and then I respond and I have faith. Remember Gideon? Heard the Word. God and then all of a sudden we see it changing we see it changing his life now this is what we're going to look at and analyzing this message this uh, problem right now the seed of life our Christian lives are started by faith how are you say by grace you would say through faith not of works faith now faith is that understanding of God, of what is real, and particularly about salvation in this point, that I am unworthy, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus to forgive my sin, and he will take it away all on the cross. And I'm free. And now I belong to him. That's what happens when you're saved. God brings about that understanding. And it brings a new life where God begins living in us that's a seed of life. We talked about that with that flow, right? And that seed of life grows through faith. Now all of us know when we are when still in a mother's womb, through the blood, the, the baby inside is being fed by the mother through the bloodstream. The umbilical cord, actually. Later, it's cut off. Now when it's cut off, the that means the baby eats its own air and its own food. can't get it from the mother, right? But there's still that need there. And so what we need, prayer, is like breathing. Uh, reading the Word of God is like eating. And so what we need to do is to take the Word of God and learn to process it on our own. Now, the way we're going to make our faith strong is by reading the Word of God. I'm going to try to show this. Now, Without the Word of God, of course, if you don't know the Lord, um, there's no faith there by which we can grow. We need to start with that seed of life, and then it keeps growing.
1: But there's something else that
0: can stop it. Say we don't have faith right now. What what is I'm questioning like my faith? I'm I i do not know how I can grow. There's doubts there. I want us to observe these doubts because the doubts are the place that God wants to bring His Word into our life and to bring faith, just like Gideon. He was down in the hole. He didn't think he could do anything for God. And he was scared for his own life. He wasn't thinking about others, he was thinking about himself. And God transformed him. And he wants to transform our lives. Now sometimes, the word of God is not going to go in our life if we don't think it's true. If we doubt it's veracity, then you no, know, when we read it, it's not going to be very important to us. This is another way our heart is hardened. We don't think it's relevant to us. Who wrote that? Moses? What did Moses live? 1500 BC? How did what happened to Moses have anything to do with my life today? If you have that questioning, that doubt lingering in your mind, what's going to happen? Doesn't matter to me. Or we doubt God's power that it can really make a change in our life. These doubts, you see, will break the Word of God when we read it, when we hear it, and it will make it new culture. Not because it's not powerful, but because the doubt there. We know that the Word of God must be combined with faith. Ah, then we grow, and that's what the power of faith is all about. By faith, they stepped into all sorts of problems in life and they found, by persevering in faith, God could help them. Here are some other faith destroyers. I don't need God's Word. Not usually. (laughs) Or the Bible seems dry, my question whether it's relevant, almost the same thing. It's boring. Somehow it's not connecting. God isn't speaking. He might speak to you. He's not speaking to me. And so, again, we sign the same doubts coming in us. And what we need to do is start seeing that these doubts are the same as what we call temptations. Those temptations. If we accept it in our minds, then we'll bring a layer of doubt that makes the Word of God ineffective to our lives. This is why it's so important for us to be able to identify the thoughts going in our mind. That I don't feel this there because Satan has these doubts. And by the way, if you ever question God's word, go back to it because it's so true and trustworthy. You'll have people question it. You'll watch movies that, you know, oh, did Jesus get married? There is no basis for these things. They said, "Oh, I can mention so many things, Jericho was never there, they mentioned that Israel never crossed the Red Sea, they mentioned that Moses never had an education, he couldn't read and write at that time, 1500 BC. Now who wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible? Moses. God was working through Moses, so if he couldn't read or write, do you see the doubt that's coming in? Okay. I want you to get honest with these things. Pascal will really help you. But as you read more and more about archaeology, you'll see now we know, and now the doubters don't mention this anymore. There was education and reading and advanced writing at that stage of history. That's not a problem. But before, and if you read any commentaries like 1930 to 50, this is the backbone and why many commentaries are just no good. They question the validity of God's word, the accuracy of God's word. And when they do that, it just wipes away faith. Wipes away faith. Be careful the books you read. If you're reading a book and you're, it's, it's not building up your faith, start wondering why. Where's the doubt coming in? You need to be perceptive. You know, you, you're listening to a movie. Be perceptive. Why? Where's the doubt coming in my mind? That's usually the issue. And when you can spot the doubt, now yeah, they can bring the power of God's Word and I'll show you more in next session how to do that. But this is unbelief. Hebrews 3.19 So we see that they were not able to enter the Promised Land because of, everybody? Unbelief. What is unbelief? I didn't believe. What is unbelief? It's doubted. I doubted whether we could do it. Remember God brought right there, Kadesh Baniya. I give it to you, He said, "No, the giants are too big. Doubts will destroy the mutation of God's powerful love and power through your lives. That's why Satan brings it into your mind, Because God is fearful that God would accomplish His purposes through your life. Just think of it. What if each one of you, in the fullness of the Spirit of God, like Jesus, would go out on those streets? Jesus, I mean Satan couldn't handle Jesus. What if all of you, like an army, go out on the streets? Satan would just be found! Do you see why he works so hard behind the scenes, tempting you, while you walk in the streets? Do you see what? He's scared silly. Because he knows we're the overcomers. But if he can keep us from being an overcomer, well, it won't be so bad. Faith destroys. So, this is the world of doubt. So, we see that the Word of God has to be combined with faith to make it effective. But there's doubts in here. That's where we have a problem. I just want to identify two main sources of doubt that come in. And one is guilt. Guilt. I don't believe I can get over my sin. Now, Satan will use this to create a layer of doubt and keep us depressed without faith. Now, probably maybe a third of you face this problem. Let me just go over it. I'm not good enough I guess I don't belong this is the process in our mind uh, I've sinned I never told a pastor no I don't tell, tell no I don't want to tell anybody but deep down you know you sin in a certain way and God wouldn't really think that you would ever be a person man or woman faith and you just cringe under a layer of guilt every time you think oh yeah maybe God forgive me Say to God. <laughs> so you know what you did. I remember what I did. God will never use me. Um, I wish you know, people would use me. I'm a terrible sinner. Do you have a layer of guilt? Jesus came to free you from that layer. If right now you have that guilt, to say the word, forgive me. All of it. All of it. Maybe you murdered someone. Maybe Just tell you committed adultery. It's time to free me by the blood of Christ. you free you. There is no sin by which the blood of Christ cannot cover. Satan would deceive you with falsehood, saying that blood of Christ is not effective. Jesus' resurrection, his work in our life, show that he will forgive us. And this is why David is quoted in the book of Romans. who was studied on it. Think Romans 4. Because he was the one that committed some horrible sins, And yet God was to work through him. So if you've got the effectiveness of the cross on any particular area of your life, well, be careful. And of course, be careful of the people you work with because they might have the same thing in them. Did you ever think, and this whole stage two, by the way, I'm not stepping back enough, perhaps, Discipleship Two, stage one, is where you often work personally with individuals. You might have some classes, but the personal aspect is important. In stage two, when you're working with individuals, often we do have small groups and things like this where we can pass the truth on. But beware, and this is where you need to pay special attention. At certain times, you'll notice individuals that you need to meet with them individually. Because they're not going to share their whole story with you unless you're with them an individually. And another point they often learn by example. So instead of trying to show that I'm a good small group leader, I don't ever do anything wrong, I want you to say, and give examples where you have done them. Do you know? Just share my small group with You know, I was burning down for a year and a half, because I didn't think God would forgive me for this awful sin. All of a sudden, their ears will perk up. What's that and awful thing? sin? A year and a half? Well, that's like me. So that's what they're thinking, they don't say anything. I know, I, uh, some, it, it's not... Often that we were able to admit things like this. But you see, by the honesty that you can have and telling people where God took you, the Spirit of God can just break away all these things. Oh, yeah. I lied to my parents, I stole money from them, and they were so poor. And I can't I did that. I was the worst child. For years, I never could forgive myself. I felt so down. You're all wondering, well, what changed? You know, they wanted nobody else to. And he's telling and you know, I'm just heard about Jesus forgiving every part of my life. You see how it works? This is not anything super big. It's the power of the cross. Another problem that we have, uh, Concerned with his worldliness, the distractions, what happens is that we are consumed with the things around us that we're seeing and hearing. You know, you've got this in your ear, and you're watching this, and you're moving around. And it's very hard to be sensitive to God's spiritual. Especially when you combine it with maybe doing some wrong things or hiding from God's Word. And you really don't think God's Word makes a difference in your life and things like this. Well, this worldliness, it it will make you more lukewarm, without an act of faith. Well, let me just suggest the same way you dealt with that guilt before, you deal with the guilt right now. Right now, if you think your heart's a little far from the Lord, say, Yeah, Lord, I I really have been away from you for these last weeks. I really didn't want to pray. I'm not really praying. I'm not really reading the Word. I'm not really being very faithful. My mind's been elsewhere. I've been thinking about buying that one thing. And yeah, but really, that's where I've been. Would you please forgive me? I want to be close to you. Remember when you meant everything to me, and I want that to be every day of my life. God, forgive and freeze. It, it, it might be happening to you right now. If you follow along, whenever I think a prayer, if it's true, you pray it, and you solve This is where doubt disappears, you see. Because the doubts of worldliness say, ah, that, this, that, this is more exciting than being with God. Of course, nothing is like the power of Christ in our life. Well, let me touch on this aspect of God speaks. It's a sensitive word, speak. And I know I'm going to bring it up. The reason is, and the history of it is, that there's just some whole Christian denominations that don't think God's word is true. That's one. The other one, God, people focus on so much on a dream or something I am dreaming and think about God speaking and we hear bad stories about that and, and that's bad too. But don't miss out on what God's Word is doing. If God does say it's His Word, I want you to think about power. When God spoke what happened. The worlds were made. Adam was made. How was Eve made? You know, God spoke. Now that same words of God, He's speaking into our life, and often it's true His word right here, and that's why we have the spiritual discipline of reading God's word. I'm encouraging you to add on to that the spiritual discipline of meditating, which brings God's word into our life, so it integrates with my life. Now, I'm just going to share a few stories here. I, I could share about this morning, I, I don't have enough time. Pastor, not have enough time. Um, but the book of Ruth, I remember once I, I was just in, in a, our main room and I was, it was a Sunday afternoon. I, just, I read to the book of Ruth and all of a sudden I started crying. I did. My kids were coming by, you know, it's a busy place in our home with lots of kids, so I noticed they're watching me I said, don't talk to me you now, but please don't. Once in a while they're asking me questions, can I do this, what should I do? It? I mean, I'm crying, but they're asking me these questions. I said, "Oh, don't you talk to me right now." <laughs> I probably should have gone somewhere. I don't know if guys cry in your culture, but I, I, I don't know. But the problem this time, I didn't know why I was crying. I just read the book of Ruth. It's a good book. And all well, of so a sudden, my heart was being touched, and I couldn't understand it. It took me about a half hour or so of wrestling, why, why, why am I responding so? I want to understand how God's touching my life. I found worked it through. I, I remember I was like Ruth. I grew up in swamp areas in southern Florida. Alligators and all that stuff. Poor as all get out. Divorce. My parents are all divorced. I didn't know the Lord. And so, just the poorest of places in America. Dear God, show sure us me to be this. I like youth. didn't belong. God took her. He made her his. He was willing to work through her and bring the Lord Christ into the world. Isn't that powerful? It was to me. still is what I'm thinking about. Sorry. I get tears <laughs> Something's happening there. You so see, the message becomes so true that it starts shaping me. And I don't I want to just quickly, okay, I read and that's it. I have to step back and meditate and, okay, yes, that's what it is. I thank you. Because the clearer you can hear, the more it will be stored in your memory and you'll be able to share something like this with others. Judges, so we, we looked at Katie and I already, he doesn't want 300 people you know how can i cut down my army this is crazy the midnights filled the valley (sighs) yes if you speak we can do it second peter 318 i have it up here can you read it with me grow in the grace together everybody grow in the grace and knowledge of the lord jesus christ it's the last verse of second peter 318 we might look at it just as a simple benediction of sort. But he was a word that, it wasn't meaning much to me because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. Actually, every time I look at this verse, now listen, I wrote this a couple of years ago, but even now when I look at it, what does this mean here? Uh, part of it, of course, is, and I do know that there's two areas that we need to grow on, the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But... You know, behind it, I have to, oh yeah. What he means is this growth will largely come about in my life. Spiritual growth. I'm talking about physical growth. I don't want to keep growing like this. Um, But spiritual growth comes when I know more of Christ in my life. And Peter was talking to these believers as if it was an endless thing, and he wants us to keep growing. Okay, so I pause, and what do I do? I say, Yeah, Lord. Give me that sense of designing to grow more, nonstop. stop Okay, so I pause, I pray, and then I keep thinking more. I'm describing, by the way, that this is kind of medication. Okay, Don't go too quick. Just take a verse. Take a few words. Grow in by or in the grace of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Two things is grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean? It means that God wants to bring the grace of Jesus into my life. His kindness, generosity, spirit, more and more into my life. Oh, I, I, and instantly I can think of, oh yeah, when I'm talking to my wife, I'm talking to my kids, I'm talking to, okay, I need more of that grace. Okay, bring more in my life. I need more of Jesus in my life. I certainly do. Do you see how I'm reflecting then? Sometimes you need to write it down. If you can't concentrate, write down your thoughts. Or if you can tape it. But make it a little more objective, and it's easier. Otherwise, if you don't have this discipline of meditating, Satan comes in, and you'll be thinking about well, the person at the store, or am I going to get my ride? Or, you know, things like this. This happens all the time. The other one is growing the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking, wow. Oh, you need, I need to grow to know Jesus more. What does that mean? Jesus is living. He's resurrected. I need to know him more. Not just know about him. I can read the Gospels a lot. I need to know him. It's almost as if there's a mystical experience, but a true one, where each of us is being welcome to grow to know Jesus more. Can you just tell Jesus that one? I want to know you more. Get closer to you. I don't know what it's like, but would you bring me closer to just Say that right now. Say it to the Lord. And so what Peter's doing is identifying ways we can grow. I gave you these three simple examples about how God, we bring God's word into our life. And we read slower, we're meditating, and we're reflecting and personalizing it. It's a life done in the spirit of prayer. And this is how it works. So by God speaking, well, yeah, he's teaching me all the time. He's reminding of different areas of my life I need to work. Or his work needs to be in me. That's him. When I just mentioned growing the kindness, the Lord was speaking to me right then. I want you to pay attention, because it's such a subtle thing. What it is, the Holy Spirit is prompting me where okay, my wife, okay, I've got to be more gentle with her. That was God speaking. He was taking his word and linking it up to something in my life. That's how love comes to interpret it. See, like when God spoke to Gideon, he linked it up with his real life, and it brought faith. And so when I'm linking up with my kindness of thinking about that person, to this person. it's being linked up. That's God prodding me by the Spirit of God. John 16, you can read more about that, how the Spirit of God works in our life by bringing truth. And he's making me aware of different aspects in my life where I need that. I'm not going to go over it slow, hopefully this isn't a repeat a um, hundred times over here. But it just is so important. And God wants to be so close to us. Remember that three-legged race? Yeah. That's what it's all about. Expect God regularly to speak to you, identifying what's so necessary. Okay, so God's design is a plan for our growth. It's amazing. We need to work along with God. And I was just showing you that meditation, that confession, are ways we're working with him. If you find that you're no longer going the same direction, it's time to repent and confess. I'll talk more about that in a minute. And God largely builds up our faith through reading the Word of God. Doubts keep the power of God's Word from us, that unbelief. So whenever we look that unbelief, it's a time that our hearts hard, and we need to grow on. So, let me identify a little bit here. Give you one example. This is an assignment. I just want to take it. It's in your books. I don't think I have the answers there. He said um, Notice what I want you to do. Like someone, I'm going to just take some observation questions, and then, that means, what does it say? And then jump right into application. What does it mean to me? And I'm just going to give you an example. I put a number of these questions of observation. What does it say on the left for you? So that makes it easy. You can answer those, and then go over on the right block and answer those. And then let me just do the first one to me. With, together. So, as I'm reading Psalm 1 1, it says, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So, what does the word blessing mean here? How blessed is a man who does not walk? Now, in English, we don't often use that word. So, I'm always identifying that. I used to use the King James Bible, and that gave me a lot more words. I didn't know what it meant. But still, even when we translate these words, sometimes blessing, so, happiness is a little translation. It's true. I, I love this sister. You know, she's got a lot of answers. And if I forget things, i just ask her. And happiness is a, a good one. But it's still not. How happy is a man? Yeah, no, we can't. But there's something more about it, right? How does the what does this word mean? Blessing. It means all the goodness that God wants to bring into my life. I want to write it and say it in such a way that it's Yeah, that's the way I would say it. Then I want to jump over to application. Do you really think God's blessing is so important to your life? Be careful. How important is it to you? This son was started off believing that it was so integral to his life. I find in my life, I'm not always looking for God's blessing. I'm just looking to have a good life. Get, get by, you know? I'm not looking for the overwhelming goodness of God to be poured out in my life. It takes an act of faith to do that, and I'm not always there yet. But, and, and so this is where it makes me reflect. Today, maybe the day of reading it and doing this exercise, yeah, blessings are good, but I'm not actively seeking them. I'm just, I just want everything to be okay. Can okay, you that? Okay, it's not enough. one wants to bring extraordinary goodness into my life. Okay, Lord, if You want to do that, do okay, You do it? Help me, because I don't really know how to do that. So again, the honesty is the backbone of our prayers, and we can analyze our life and just think about things like this. When you're taking God's word, start reflecting. Sometimes we need Bible study books and things like this, uh, but. Whatever, try to, the more you can observe and then practically apply, the better. I'll give you that assignment, and you can go through that on your own. We looked, well, yesterday I assigned you the self-evaluation form. I'm not going to go through that, but it is there. I think the second question that someone corrected me, no, it it was number seven, was not correctly written. But as you go through here, let me just tell you how you work it through anyways. So this is just a general assessment of your life, okay, and how you're doing with the Lord. And basically, uh, you can see there's questions, 1, 3, 5, 7. What you want to do is just add up all your scores. I think there's 20 questions. If there's 20 times 7, it's 140, Okay. If you find that you have a lot, you know, like, above 70, you can see that there's some significant areas that need to be worked on. Okay? Lower score is better. It shows that there's more consistency in the relationship. So that's a general assessment, okay? Notice any areas of hopelessness. If the higher your score, probably you have more hopelessness. And you can target, wow, you know, yeah, I probably do. I've really given up on some areas of my life. I also then want you to step into a specific assessment. Now, this is all outlined in the chapter of the book, and you can go over it later, but a specific assessment. Notice where those sevens. If you have three sevens or fives, notice where they are. Those are probably the areas the Lord wants to work in your life right now. And so, if the Lord wants to work in them, you know, focus on one, maybe at a time. Lord, I, I need you to start speaking the word of God into my life. That this area where I'm not doing too good can be an area that I am shining. I I can't do it. I haven't done it for 20 years. But this is where I want to go. And I want you to begin doing that in my life. Okay? So it's just a general, more objective perspective on how to do that. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you, never giving up on us. Sometimes we're guilty. Our hearts are hardened. We feel the word is dull. But you're always there, just waiting for us to turn back, for you to come in and refresh us, revive us, to stir us up. We thank you, Lord, for being willing to speak. Ever so eager to speak. To speak more than we really are willing or wanting. Again, cleanse us from our sin. And bring us closer and closer to you. Oh, Lord, not only that you would give us victory and there would be an overcomer, but Lord, that we could lead others. i be them. They can be an overcomer. Oh, Lord, help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. This concludes the message on gaining strength by Paul Bucknell. Section 3 of Reaching Beyond Mediocrity Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom www.foundationsforfreedom.net Releasing God's truth to a new generation